Welcome back to the Joy and Reason podcast. This week we're going to be talking about our testimonies. So, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Good, so, good title. Leading us off on the testimonies will be the powerhouse Pentecostal in this corner. Miss <laughs> Gia, over here to the right. <laughs> As we look around to see who it was. So, Gia, if you sure. wouldn't mind sharing. Uh, I would love to tell you my testimony. How did I... you come to Christ and how did you get to where you are now? Or okay. how did Christ come, come to, to me? Right. Yeah, how absolutely. Did he, how did he save you? Well, I was very blessed with kind of the basic Christian testimony. Grew up in church, I was homeschooled. Uh, my parents um, had a corner house and so we lived there growing up and knew everybody on our street and really um, idyllic, kind of uh, perfect. Uh, Christian family, I guess you could say. So I knew the Lord. I was always in church. I was always involved. I was very active um, as a teenager in my faith. And uh, I think by the time I was 10 years old, I was uh, speaking in tongues and very committed to my faith. I wanted to evangelize in my elementary school. And then I came home uh, to be homeschooled. And my mom was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And so that kind of changed the trajectory of my life in a lot of ways. Uh, I was 13 when my mom received her diagnosis and subsequently within a month's time frame was permanently disabled. And so she became our patient that we could take care of. And I was 13, which is a really awkward time in life. So you're just kind of yeah. getting into womanhood and um, really needed a lot of help uh, from my mom. And she was uh, battling with her disease and uh, accepting that in her new role. And so I basically was just a good Christian kid and um, lived at home and uh, was able to help my mom uh, as I grew up and we became very close. And I'm so thankful that the Lord um, had that happen because I think that was really a big reason why we became really good friends. We got to know each other um, and there's a lot of tears and a lot of crying, a lot of fights, but uh, my mom definitely had a huge influence on my life. And uh, my dad as well. My dad was kind of the peacekeeper, kind of kept my mom and I from killing each other, which is so awesome. And I had uh, two brothers that were kind of just doing kind of brother things, you know, being yeah. guys. And so I would talk to my dad a lot and my dad and I had a really close relationship. And so this kind of went on from the time I was young to 25 and was living at home and didn't really have many prospects of what I was going to do. And thankfully, I was able to live at home and not have a lot of debt by going to the local college. And I really wanted to finish my bachelor's degree. And so I was able to uh, join the Marine Corps and really had that perspective of, in, you know, at 25, turning 26, I was going to be 30 in four years. So I could either be 30 with that experience or not. And unfortunately, right before I left, uh, there was like an old boyfriend that kind of came into town. He had joined the army and was really lonely over the New Year's holiday. And uh, that was kind of my first foray into sexual sin and had always been kind of the perfect Christian. And so that really was... Um, a major disappointment in my life and a really something I struggled with and during the Marine Corps was kind of a way to repent and be punished and receive the impact of my <laughs> I sin. Will do my penance. And yeah. I thought, you know, Let's surely God will just change me and I'll never, you know, fall into that again. Of course it's during the military, sexual sin is rampant through the military. Yes, so the, yes. the Lord really helped me um to understand that self-reliance is not a Christian value mm -hmm. and that's not actually being saved. So that was a really cool experience to go through and join the military and then meet my husband in the military and really um, bearing the trauma of sexual sin and just like, oh, we need to get married because we're sleeping together. And then we got married and it was kind of a wild bumpy ride. But yes. I would say true conversion in my life actually came after that uh, period of time. So we ended up uh, moving from California to Florida with small children. And I really had a crisis of faith and really had 
um, difficulty adjusting and we ended up going to this reformed church and I hated it and I hated everybody at that church and I struggled so much and then the Lord just continuously broke me down until I decided that I wasn't actually a Christian, that I needed him uh, to be the focal point is, of my life. Was it was it the same church that we're recording in right now? Yes, that is the church. <laughs> that the, I don't hate anybody anymore. With the, with the people that we got to church for now? <laughs> yeah, but, I, but it's really interesting because um, I had never dealt with internal sins before. I was so mm. used to externals being the gauge of your faith, that as long as you look like you're saved and you act like yeah. you're saved when you're at church, that you're saved. And I would say that I'm not blaming my parents in any way. I don't hold them responsible. I just learned that from being in church. And so when we got here and there was a lot of work to be done internally, kind of going on with Mark 7, where, you know, it's not what goes into you that defiles you, but it's what comes out. And having small children brings out a lot of your issues and then your own issues with your parents. So coming here to Florida by God's providence was absolutely his instrument to bring me to a true saving faith and to bring me to an assurance of my salvation, uh, growing up the way I did in a more um, charismatic, um, maybe new apostolic reformation type of church. You know, you just declared a lot of things and said a lot of things. And so the more you believed it and the more you felt like you believed it, that you kind of put your salvation into those terms. But coming to scripture really shows us that, you know, it's Christ who saves us, Christ who redeems us and reconciles us to himself. Um, And these were things that maybe I'd heard and and knew of in church, but didn't really spend a lot of time studying them. So coming here to Florida and being part of a church where the word of God is preached faithfully um, every week, that really started me down a path of, I want to know what scripture says and I want to know what I believe because I can, I can know the truth and uh, I can be assured of my salvation because it is Christ doing that. So my testimony really is kind of a simple one of just knowing the Lord my whole life in in a way that I thought I knew him. I thought I knew what it was about and then falling into sin and God rescuing me from it. So it was, would you say there was a lot of, basically there was a lot of assumptions on your part. You really assumed that, Hey, you know, Oh, I know, I know what it means to walk with the Lord. I know what it means to be a Christian. I know all these things. And then that God kind of handed you over to, you know, your own sin and to your own sin, prideful nature to say, okay, well, I'm going to let you make a mess of your life. And, and then through that, he drew you to himself and made it, made himself so much sweeter because that assumption of, you know, growing up in church, I'm, I'm the church kid and I know all these, you know, I can spout off all these different, you know, Bible verses and sword drills and everything. And, um, but then being that person who you are now, you've now experienced some shipwrecks. Yeah. You've now experienced some you know, emotional, making, right. Absolutely. Making, yeah. Sure. So, and so fun bit of trivia. How many times were you baptized? At least four or five, girl. Possibly more, maybe six. Yeah, right Make sure it counts. Yeah, every it, it has to stick. Every time there was a baptism at a beach or a pool, I was like, oh yeah, me Might too. Well Why don't you again. just, just in case? So oh, well, so that is, uh, so that is your testimony. So my testimony, um, well. I grew up, I guess I should lead with that because you might not know my voice yet. I'm Matt French. And so my testimony is I, I grew up in a kind of quasi Christian-y home. It was more just kind of like the moralistic therapeutic deism of, you know, just we're going to be moral people, be good. Let me break that down. I've never heard that phrase exactly. So what does that mean? (laughs) Just the idea that, oh, we're going to have a vague awareness of there's a higher power, there's, you know, there's God or something, you know, we'll, we'll give, we'll be respectful to kind of sacred-ish things. We're never going to read the Bible, never going to do any type of uh, Bible teaching, never going to commit to going to a church, never 
Dude, we just want to be like moral people. We know it's wrong to curse and we know it's wrong to drink in excess type of thing. And that, that was kind of it. My my dad was always on the road working. Uh, he was a, a, a electrician for uh, military aircraft. So he was always on the road working. And so my mom, for the most part, raised me and my older brother and then my younger brother, who he's eight years younger than me. Um, so she she kind of single-handedly raised us and my, my parents got a divorce when I was about about 12 or 13 and that was that was pretty rough um and then I was I was in Boy Scouts the whole my whole childhood I'm, I'm an Eagle Scout my older brother's an Eagle Scout and so there's always an, an understanding and awareness of God there was always an understanding of some mm. type of spiritual thing you know like at all of our meetings we would say the Lord's Prayer mm. um it didn't really mean anything to me it was just like okay I, I knew how to say it and I could you know I'm just gonna say it because that's what we well, that's what we do so uh, I ended up, I, I got out of high school and then about six months later, I decided, well, I don't really have much going on for me. So I'm going to join the Marine Corps. My older brother was in the Marine Corps. He was in the reserves. So I was like, well, I'll one up him. I'll go active duty. So <laughs> I go active duty and I get stationed at Quantico. And it's around that time, uh, that I was, I was beginning to have more of a spiritual, I guess you could call it awakening or understanding of like, okay. There's something bigger than me. There's something more existential than this. So I was, I was in like a soul searching type of mode. Um, I was really big into like kind of Eastern mysticism of sorts. Like I was really big into Taoism. That was probably my 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 go to. I carried around a pocket sized version of the Tao Te Ching in my left breast pocket in my uniform. Uh, I I just thought it was so like profound. It spoke to me. I'm like, oh wow, this is this is deep. It talks about you know, what's the purpose of a, of a vessel, it, but it's emptiness because when it's full, you can't do, you can't put anything in. I'm like, oh, wow, that must mean something. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> so I, I was really big into that. I had, you know, I, I was reading uh, different, different kind of schools of, uh, of thought and philosophies and things. And, uh, and so Gia and I met when we met in 2009. And like you said, in the last episode, it wasn't until we're, we're dating for a few weeks and then you you basically said, hey, um, if we don't go to church, then we're done. And I said, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'll I mean, go I to church. I mean, I felt like I was on the precipice of going to hell. I was like, if I don't go to <laughs> well, church, I'm right. like you, to Right. Like you said, we were already engaged in sexual <laughs> sin. And, and it was one of those, like, you know, you felt guilty about your witness. Like, oh, how can, you know, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to do these things, but I'm not doing them good at all. So, yeah, I uh, I said okay. So we went to church. Uh, I think it was a Lutheran church. Your, yeah, your friend's time. Lutheran church went like the first service. I was like, okay, well, this is a little, a little, little weird. Very... <laughs> I, and I had had an exposure of some different uh, Christian denominations growing up. My mom would take us. Should every now and then, like once every four mm-hmm. or five months, should get like a wild hair and be like, okay, we we need to, you know, need to go to church. And so would. She, there was a Baptist church down the road from us. We went there um, a couple times. I went to like a VBS uh, twice. Um, and then we went to, there's a Methodist church. Went to that a few times. Uh, the one that we went to the most was probably an Episcopalian church. Um, and yeah, we went to, uh, I think we went to a Pentecostal one once. Because I do remember seeing my mom speak in tongues mm. when people gathered around her. And I was just weirded out. I was like, <laughs> what is, what is going on? Like this is this doesn't make any sense. No one explained anything. It makes total sense. What do you mean? So, yeah. <laughs> so that you know that was my that was my understanding of of Christianity and religion, and I never read the Bible, and so it wasn't until uh, we met that G and I met that, um, and her insisting, okay, we go to church, and so we went to that Lutheran church. I'm like, okay, 
Gia coming from a more charismatic background, like, this isn't really for me, but... There was no power in that yeah, service. We gotta you're like, power. You're like, I'm glad that... <laughs> I'm glad that... We went, but let's find somewhere else. So we went to, we ended up settling at a uh, nearby Baptist megachurch. And uh, we had some friends going there. And so they invited us there. So we went uh, regularly every Sunday. And it was through going there, uh, hearing the preaching, which for the most part, despite it being a large megachurch, well, I don't know if you'd call it a large megachurch, but there's maybe like 2,000 people total. But so it's megachurch. But uh, despite it being large, there is pretty faithful preaching of, of, of a variety. So shout out to Pastor Todd. Pastor Gaston. Todd. Love, <laughs> yep, love absolutely. Pastor Todd. So it's through his preaching and through conversations with Gia, conversations with my friend our friends Jake and Aaron, and reading and just listening to different perspectives and everything that God uh, drew me to himself um, the first quarter of two thousand ten. Um I just uh, I don't I'm not one of those guys I don't have a you know the date and an hour and everything that that happened, but I, I remember the vaguely the months or you know the first quarter. So that's how I came to faith, and then it wasn't until uh, and even then it was still you know pretty pretty rocky, pretty rough. Um, but it wasn't until 2013 that I ended up uh, really starting to care about theology, really starting to care about what why do I believe this? Mm-hmm. What does it matter? Well, we had a baby in 2012 yep. and moved across country and we were listening to Joel Osteen. Yes, I, we, we went to I a Cracker declare, Barrel. We went um, to a Cracker Barrel and I bought the <laughs> uh, Joel Osteen I Declare audiobook and I was like, well, this is, this is a great listen. So <laughs> I, I was thrilled. To, I was like, yes, I you're really to, coming on board. <laughs> I, I used to DVR his his TV show like all the time. I'd rarely go back and watch it. I'd like watch maybe an episode or two, but I was like, okay yeah i mean this is good like i want to be positive i want to be good <laughs> yeah so, because you're a little bit more um glasses half empty yeah i i would say for the most part especially that the positivity of joel osteen was really appealing and i was i was definitely more of a kind of negative mindset uh type of guy but you know not anymore think thanks to the you know the the stalwart teaching of some post-millennial thinkers, but uh, much more optimistic now. <laughs> much more optimistic. Still can be a bit of a realist, but I, I don't know. I, I, I like to think that uh, there's been many times where, you know, I, I kind of approach things with a, no, I, I, you know, I think it's going to it's gonna work out. You know, God is in it and mm-hmm. we don't we don't have nothing to fear. So, yeah, so it wasn't until, uh, like I said, 2013 that I kind of came around to Reformed Theology and through a meme page and... Um, that was around the time also that John MacArthur was doing his Strange Fire Strange conference. Fire, that's right. And that was rough for me because here I am married to a woman who is more charismatic. Uh, I, almost at that point, I, I would have always kind of classified you almost as like non-denominational mm-hmm. charismatic. Um, but I was, I was, you know, listening to this stuff and he's very hardcore kind of cessationist. Like, okay, you know, the you know, miraculous gifts don't continue and everything. And I was like, well, I think, I think he makes a pretty good case. And, you know, just kind of reading all this different uh, material on it. Um, so combining that with being, you know, coming around to reform theology and being kind of like cage stagey and just, that was, that was rough. That was a hard, uh, hard transition. Well, we were so close to my family that yeah. my uh, parents still attend an Assemblies of God Pentecostal church. Yep. And so we, they wanted us to come every week and that was getting really hard to 
square up what yeah. we were talking right. about because you were bringing it home and wanted to talk yeah. and I had no I, biblical underpinning to say why you were wrong. I was like, I just know you're wrong because you're wrong because it's not what our church talks about. Well, and and not even not even just uh, about, you know, the miraculous gifts or anything because, you know, there might be people who listen to this and, you know, you, you think, you, you believe that they continue and that's, that's totally fine. But I, that was just the idea that like, oh, God is sovereign. God is completely sovereign. He is sovereign over salvation even. And that was just a really hard those were really hard conversations. And so we moved from, uh, we met in Virginia, in Quantico, Virginia, got married. And we flew out, moved to uh, San Diego, California. We, we lived in the Escondido area um, for a year and a half, two years. And it was around the time we met as the families, Vitros yep. and Frenches. And then we moved again to Joshua Tree, where we lived there for three Years, two, two and a half years. Yeah, so two and a half years there, as I as I worked at uh, the Marine Corps base at Twenty Nine Palms, and then I got the job out here in the Panhandle, of Florida, and then we moved out here, and that's where, like you were sharing, Gia, that um, when we moved out here, we came to the church that we're members of now, um, and we would come here at at the time their their service was at ten thirty, that was the only service, and so we'd come to the ten thirty service. But there was a church down the road, and Assemblies of God, and Assemblies of God <laughs> church, the uh, Assemblies of God church that we went to, that Gia insisted. You just insisted, the like, no, we're service we're gonna go to the, we're gonna go three to that small kids, yeah, seven months to four years old. So we were doing the eight a.m. at uh, one church and ten thirty at another, and that was just I would get sick to my stomach every Saturday, just thinking like, oh no, Sunday's coming. I don't know. Oh, I don't know how to have this conversation. Church. Yeah, we'd argue after service it here was... at Live Oak about how that's not biblical, even though he literally preached out of the Bible. <laughs> I was trying to argue these things. Yeah, so it wasn't, and and then we thankfully, uh, you know, we were, I was meeting with a few of the the pastors here, and and uh, one of them ended up agreeing to come sit and, and talk with with us. Yeah, yeah, and kind of go through yeah. some marriage counseling and just. One of the things he said from the very beginning was like, hey, I'm not here to sell you on our church. Like, if, I just want you to go where the Holy Spirit is leading you. And Matt, you need to be comfortable with if that's this church down the road. And Gia, you need to be comfortable with if it's this, if it's our church. So. I love Andy. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was, it was like, oh, okay. It was very blunt too. Very blunt. And like, oh, you, you just seem very oblivious to things. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I am. I didn't know that, <laughs> which speaks to me being oblivious. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, I would say that's kind of my understanding of how in my background of how I came to faith, how how Christ drew me to Himself was through a multitude of people and resources and just experiences yeah. that I had, and and then how my faith has kind of grown and developed in the way that it has over the years. Because you know, it started off like you said, you know, Joel Osteen, like okay, I'm going to DVR this, I'm going to listen to this, I'm going to to now, um, you know, I. I'm actively involved in uh, trying to support more like solid uh, reformed Orthodox reformed ministries and, and listening to a whole bunch of different content. I became, uh, you know, around 2013 is when I became a big theology nerd and, and again, that was where we started to really. And I was surprised by how much Shara was getting into yeah, the conversations, yeah. and then her positions were changing, and I was like, "Wow, well, I thought we were a team. We're well, supposed to be like <laughs> fighting him." Well, and that's a perfect, perfect segue to uh, Shara's testimony. Yeah, right. Like, you know, how did you come to Christ, and you know, how's your faith walk developed? All right, hi, I'm Shara. Um, it all started on December fourth, nineteen eighty. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I, um, I grew up in a Christian home. I, my mom always loved the Lord, but. My family was pretty dysfunctional. Um, the cops were at our house a lot. My dad 
who was a wonderful man, and he loved both me and my mom dearly, he had a pretty severe anger issue. And so just the dysfunction of that really shaped a lot of my life and a lot of my trauma of how I handle things, how I handle my emotions, and I guess really fit perfectly into the Pentecostal of everything's emotion-based. <laughs> and so however I felt in that moment was truth to me. And so when my parents got divorced around 13, it was a really big shock to my system. And my mom and I moved to a different city. I went to this terrible public school. Anyone who's <laughs> listening knows. And I just, um, I would always go back and forth with my faith. I would say, I have to go to, you know, this youth group. I have to do better. I, you know, in sin with whatever guy I was with and whatever party I was with. Because I, I started partying pretty early on after my parents got divorced. And so then I would go back to church, kind of like the penance that we're talking mm -hmm. about, too Catholic. Yeah. Yes. Um, it just became something I had to work for my salvation. And then I would slip again. And then I would work back for my salvation. And it was this constant circle. But looking back, and I can see God's hand the entire time. And I, I've read through journals that I have when I was a teenager. And I know that in my head, I loved the Lord. But I was just confused. And I was lost. And so then fast forward, more partying, more drinking more sexual sin. Um, I had a roommate at the time. Hey, Corey. And we could not afford cigarettes anymore. And so we kind of looked at each other and we're like, let's join the Navy. You want to just join the Navy? And so we went and talked to a recruiter and we said, just give us whatever job we can get there as soon as possible and we can get there together. And we left maybe 10 days later. It was a shock to everyone in my family. They knew I wanted to join, but I was a hot mess. And, <laughs> and so I left and I joined the Navy with her and, and I went all in. Like I went, that's what I was going to do with my life. I found my purpose. This is it. It fit everything that I needed. People were telling me how good I was doing and it was all emotion based. Like I, if I do X, Y, Z, I can rank up, I can get these data boys. And so in the military, I again went through that circle of I have to go back to church. Who wants to come with me? Okay, I'm going to go back to sexual sin and partying. Okay, I'm going to go back to church. And it just again was this constant cycle. And then Scott and I met. And we said this in the last podcast, we got pregnant pretty much on our first encounter together. <laughs> and um, we, my mother in law's calling Kelly, I can't talk right now. Um, we got pregnant. And then we moved in together. We got married. We moved in together. Two days later, we had a baby. Hmm. We didn't know each other at all. And so God just really used that time to break me. Um, I got out of the military during that time. I, oh my goodness, I hated the man I was living with. I never wanted to be a mom. So there's all these things where it's like, this is not what I had in my boxes to check off for my life. This is not where my life was supposed to go. And it was about a year and it was pretty it's a pretty bad year. And, um, and so finally I told Scott I was leaving, that I was done and I wanted to get divorced. And my wonderful husband said, can we please go to church together? Can we find a counselor and just, we'll just go to a non-denominational because mm. we had been fighting about Catholicism mm. and Christianity. And so he was like, let's just go to a non-denominational. We're just going to meet right here. <laughs> and actually it was at that church that I got baptized. So we started going to the church. Um, I realized that it was the first realization that I was just broken and my plans didn't matter. And so I kept fighting God and I could look back and, you know, my parents and the trauma and the 
constant need to date someone and party and go out and drink and have sex, honestly. And just this whole cycle of my life, I was fighting God's plan for me. And so just the... You can do all that in marriage, right? <laughs> you can do all that stuff. You can do all that <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> so, so anyways, he, um, he just showed me my brokenness and how desperately I've been fighting him my entire life. And I didn't know anything about Calvinism, Arminianism. I didn't know anything about Reformed theology. I just, at that moment, I knew that I was a wretched sinner. And so I got baptized there, which was... Honestly, I look back, I'm like, that was just such a sweet time. Mm-hmm. I had been baptized a lot, like Gia. <laughs> if you need is to come a... to the altar for salvation, I do. It's my turn. There's it's a punch club, right? There's a trend <laughs> here. There is a trend. And, um, and then in 2012, so I got out of the military in 2011. We had Noah. In 2012, Scott got out of the military, and we moved from Lemoore, Florida. I mean, no, Lemoore. <laughs> Lemoore. <laughs> Lamore, California, and if any of my Navy friends are listening and you have been stationed there, it's awful. So we got out of Central California and we moved to Temecula, California, where I was from, where I grew up, and that's where we met the Frenches. And he kept coming in, hot. You were coming in hot, Matt. Who's this he? Conversations <laughs> about reform theology mm-hmm. and I told you the cage stage man it's cage real. I it's a it. real thing what do I call it what did I say it's rage not stage. a real thing no I, one I, literally rage. no one calls it rage I said rage stage. cage rage we cage do. We, do. we call it rage cage well, I whatever I heard it wrong <laughs> anyways so I actually went through a really big depression because my whole life it was kind of like that Joel Osteen feel good read your bible a little bit but it's a good story and you walk out of church feeling really good you walk out of whatever new revival mm. you just had whatever new guest speaker who's healing people and you just are excited constantly so you get in this lull and then you go to the revival to get back up and then you get back down in a lull and so Matt comes in hot talking about all of these words I've never heard. And then finally he just said, just read Romans. And I was irritated and I'm like, I will. (laughs) And I did. I did. And Scott and I both were just on this mission. And I I truly believed I was saved. I love the Lord. Like I had, he, he changed our life and that's when it started to turn. But now it was like, all right, now I want you to learn really about Mm -hmm. me. Now I want you to read my word. Mm. And he definitely used Matt pissing me off (laughs) to do that. And Scott too. And so I started reading Romans, I started reading scripture, and I was in a depressed state for almost a year. Mm-hmm. I remember constantly thinking, I don't know scripture. I don't know who this God is that I say I love, that I argue with people about, especially back in the day when I was drunk at bars, like, let me tell you about Jesus. Like, <laughs> I don't actually know anything about this God that I have talked about so much. And so that sent me on, it sent us on this mission to find out who God was, not necessarily to be in the Reformed camp or the Calvinist camp or, you know, all the different camps that are out there, but just to understand his word. Um, and then every time someone asks me, I say, I landed here because it's scripture. Mm-hmm. It's it's scripture alone. And that's just where I landed. So whatever you want to call it, it's scripture yeah. alone. And um, and then, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I came to Christ, my whole cycle of falling in, falling out and workspace and making sure I was doing good things and then, you know, asking for penance. And basically I was being a Catholic, <laughs> how much I was so against. <laughs> yeah. I was just, that's, that's what I was doing. Mm. And then here we are, we have three children, which I, again, I never thought I would be a mom. 
ever in a million years. I was literally that person who would go to a restaurant and see a table of kids and like sit me on the other side. Mm. I don't want to be there. I'd never changed a baby's diaper. I had never babysat. So our son was kind of like our poor little, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what to do. I remember crying one time. My mom came over to help me and I was crying. I said, is it okay that I'm not okay? Because I didn't know how to be a mom. And so now God gave us three beautiful biological children, and then we all are also fostering these two beautiful little girls. And, and you should mention that you've almost died pretty much being pregnant. Every pregnancy, like, yeah. Has been, like horribly <laughs> they awful health And that's also a whole other mm-hmm. talk about our marriage and the struggles of like, I can't function. I'm throwing up and mm-hmm. have an IV in my arm and my poor husband's going to work and trying to take care of the house and children. It was just awful. But, but he's taken us to this place of here you were, you lived for yourself, you hated the thought of being maternal and at home it's like barefoot and pregnant they're just that feminist <laughs> ideology where i'm like now i'm the one getting out of this big old suv with five children <laughs> wrangling them not up. a van mark mark that's, that not a van true. it used to be a van my husband got it told well you didn't it wasn't your fault it used to be a van i loved that van <laughs> anyways so that's kind of my testimony and um i mean it's it was R.C. Sproul that said, the day that I die is the day that I'll stop learning about God. And mm-hmm. it, it really is just beautiful. Like, I, I'm still constantly, every time I read a scripture, every time I get in the Word, I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And we're, oh my gosh, what is it, seven years in now? And I'm still constantly learning new things. And it's mm-hmm. awesome. So anyways, all right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a lot of a lot of Catholic talk here. So you get to <laughs> actually hear from the uh, former Catholic, and I, I still have a lot of love for my Catholic brothers and sisters. Um, so yeah, I I really don't like this part. I uh, I don't usually like giving my testimony, and maybe it's the introvert part of me, or just because it's messy. But <clears throat> the thing is, is you know, it's God's story, and and it does deserve to be told. I think everybody's testimony does, and so I'm going to try to be faithful to that. So. Yeah, I, I grew up uh, with a single mom, um, kind of a typical, you know, single mom kind of story. Uh, she wasn't very, you know, churchy or anything like that. It was really my grandma who started bringing me to church. She had converted to Catholicism when I was really little, probably two or three. And, you know, my mom would, you know, go, she, you know, she was raised in some Mormon churches and non-denominational, some Baptists. So wasn't really much of a foundation there, but... Uh, my grandparents uh, ended up paying for me to go to a private school and it was Catholic. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I grew up with that. And then around eight years old, my grandma started taking me to uh, some uh, catechism uh, courses with, with the priest. And uh, I started asking, you know, questions and all these different things. And, you know, it just, it just really interested me. And, you know, I had this hunger and desire to know about God and, um, you know, growing up without a, without a father, you know, for so many years, you know, like looking back, I think that most of it was probably, you know, me looking for some type of father figure uh, to fill that void. And, you know, we, we like to joke and stuff, but, you know, I was an altar boy. I even, I even went to, I went to an all male Catholic boarding school that my, in Arkansas. He went to Hogwarts. That my wife calls Hogwarts and stuff. He um, lived there with monks. It looks like Hogwarts. Yeah. No, it was actually a great experience, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I was raised Catholic, catechized Catholic. I mean, I was even confirmed, you know, when I was 17, um, I prayed the rosary all the time. You know, never missed mass, knew everything about it. And I, I think that's why it's hard for me to kind of nail down. You know, I'm always happy for, but also jealous of people who can say, you know, on December 3rd, 1973, I was saved because yeah. I really don't know. I mean, 
I was baptized when I was 10 and I went through all the classes and I thought I knew who God was. And, and I've always felt like that draw and that calling, you know, from God, you know, to have that relationship with him. So I, I really don't know. But the pivotal point for me, you know, I, I, I was a virgin until I was 17. You know, I, I did everything right. You know, in high school, I didn't you know, get in, you know, involved in all the bad stuff that my buddies were doing and stuff. And I was pretty clean cut. Um, but what really shook my world, kind of the pivotal moment for me, was about three months before I graduated, um, my little brother committed suicide. He was 15. And then a couple of weeks later, my biological dad um, died. And so it was just like this, you know, right as I'm on the precipice of becoming a man and going out in the world, uh, tragedy strikes, right? And I think a lot of people can relate to, to tragedy. And so, you know, and, and this isn't to, to bash, you know, Catholics or anything, but, you know, in the Catholic faith, uh, when you commit suicide, it is an unforgivable sin if you don't have forgiveness for that. And so... I was so angry because my little brother was 15 and I just, I couldn't wrap my mind around the concept of, and, and, and it's a very common theme, like, well, why would a good God let this happen? Or, mm. you know, why would you send a 15 year old to hell? You know, and, and I couldn't reconcile that even through all my, you know, studying and training and upbringing. And so I completely abandoned the faith. Um, I completely walked away was so mad at God and you know obviously that didn't help being on the precipice of trying to you know I had a full scholarship to go to college and I pissed that away um, I ended up coming back home uh, a, a year later after everything just a broken person and working dead-end jobs and I developed a really bad alcohol problem I was smoking weed I was doing cocaine ecstasy pretty much anything and everything I could get my hands on just to try to escape, you know, cause there's always this like, you know, whenever tragedy strikes and this is part of the joy and reason thing, you know, like looking back, but it's like, you know, you can drive yourself crazy asking the why question, why did this happen? And the thing is, is, you know, I still don't know why these things happened or the timing or anything like that. Those are, you know, secrets that the Lord holds and maybe one day I'll get an explanation, but maybe not. Um, so, after all these dead-end jobs and different things, I was just a complete mess. And um, after my 21st birthday, I was like, you know what? Like, something's got to change. I'm just going to be, you know, a loser, you know, just in my hometown and just doing what, you know, my buddies were doing. So I enlisted in the Navy. And, you know, it, I, I was hoping that that would give me a purpose and direction. And, and it did. You know, and, I, and I'm very thankful for, for, you know, the time I got to serve and things. But but the military wasn't my savior either. Yeah. Um, and it definitely didn't help my drinking problem. It was, <laughs> you know, it was more of a culture thing. Like, yeah, yeah you know, you work hard, you play hard. And, you know, growing up kind of like in the country, like that that's, that's just what you do. You know, you work your butt off and, you know, you go out and drink and have a good time. And you played hard. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I yeah, I still have to fight that to this day. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was just every type of you know, secular, worldly person you can imagine, just, you know, womanizing, drinking, partying, everything I could. And uh, then then I met my, my wife, Shara. What, what? And, Straighten uh, them out, girl. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I... I, I, I wish that was the Yeah, no, I mean, I love her to death, and she's mm -hmm. definitely helped me a lot, and I've, I think I've helped her, but it wasn't that. I mean, it was just the, you know, being thrown into marriage so quickly and, oh, you know, ha yeah. having a a new baby and trying to, you know, start a life with somebody that you don't really know very well. 
And, you know, like, like she said, we, we both, you know, we're in the military and she got out, moved in with me. It was real quick. And, you know, we, we were literally like at each other's throats and wanted to get divorced. And, you know, God put it on my heart, you know, through all this brokenness. I mean, I mean, I had to go to counseling and all the, all this stuff. I had to go see a psychiatrist cause I was so broken just over everything. Um, you know, he said, Hey, like, you know, just, just go to church before you end this. And so that's, that's what started it. But I don't actually know when I was, you know, saved, saved. Um, you know, I, I feel like that, that, that was God's draw back to me, you know, saying, Hey, like, it, it's okay that you're mad. It's okay that you're mm-hmm. upset with me. And I think that's one of the wonderful, you know, joyous things. And one of the reasons why, like, I love God so much is that, you know, we're, we're allowed to question things. We're yeah. allowed to be angry. We're mm-hmm. allowed to, you know, to, to find these things out. And so, I mean, you know, obviously years later, and especially looking back and, you know, it, it's, it's funny how God does these things, but you know, w- w- like what I've learned is, you know, even if he doesn't give you an answer as to why, you know, he'll, he'll still heal these wounds from you. But, you know, we, we expect things just to be like, uh, oh, well, you're just going to take this from me. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, sometimes he does do that. But, you know, for me, he has reopened wounds and made yeah. me face them again, but with him. You know, with having a good father saying, hey, I'm going to walk you through this. and We're going to heal this wound together. And so after after we both got out of the military and left, uh, we had tried a few different churches um, and we, we were at a, at a decent church. But it, it was just time. It was just time. And I, 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 I got baptized yeah, mm-hmm. again. And I gave my you know kind of profession as, as to why. And that, that was really, you know, God's grace and saying like, hey, like, I know that you're mad at me. You know, but but I but I also forgive you for your anger, mm. for all your partying, all your lust, all your sin, all these different things. And, you know, and he's basically telling me, like, you know, I, I want to heal these things in you mm. and show you the truth about who I am. And ironically enough, that was about the time that we had met the Frenches and started redirecting me. Yeah, started started redirecting me into kind of like what my wife explained. Mm-hmm. You don't know who I am. You think mm-hmm. you know who I am. But, you know, and there's always like a joke in the Catholic faith, like, you know, we don't really read the Bible and, and it's true. Um, and, and, and it was, it was this journey of, you know, hey, I, I, I have no idea what your word actually says. You know, I, I'm just, I've just been trusting other people to teach me mm-hmm. yeah. and you have to be cautious with that. I mean, it's good to have good teachers um, and mentors and, and we need that, but it also goes back to, you know, what does his word actually say and who is he? And I mean, and I think Paul Washer said one time, you know, you could study the Bible your entire life and not even reach the foothills of who mm-hmm. God is. Mm-hmm. And so that's really humbled and changed me. So I don't exactly know when I got saved, but it's uh, it's always been God's hand there. And and I do have joy and I do have reason through that. Um, even, even if it's not perfect to me, I know that it's perfect to God. Yeah. But that's another thing I'll share is, you know, Paul said that, you know, his power, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Mm-hmm. And that's something I have to hold on to whenever I don't know the answers to things, but, but I, but I can trust him. Yeah. yeah. So you, so you'd say you knew a lot about God or about, you know, faith and things, but you didn't really know God. You didn't like you, would you say like, yeah, that you, like you said, that these things that other people have taught you and you're like, okay, well, I'm, this is what, you know, this is what Christianity is. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is all these different things. So you know about these things, but you don't actually know God. Um, would you say like that was, you know, yeah, true? absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I, I knew a lot, a lot about church history and different things, but it was more focused on, 
you know, Mary and, you know, who's your patron saint? And the biggest part was, you know, the whole, you know, how, how do you reach repentance? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was this constant cycle of, you know, going to confession, you know, daily or weekly or however often. And, you know, uh, you know, doing the, you know, whole, you know, kind of like beating yourself up and, you know, making your, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, you know, we, we should fast and do these different things, but there were literally periods of time where, you know, I would either starve myself or mm-hmm. deprive myself of things, you know, just to try to, you know, Curry to, 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 to be holy right. and, yeah. and yeah. Kind of, sure. yeah. you know, purge that sin myself and, and whatever. So, so yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of times that teaching doesn't match up with experience. You know, it's yeah. like going to a Pentecostal church in a word of faith church where my mom has a chronic illness that's never going to be healed. Yeah. And that, but you know, come to the altar and we'll pray for you. And right. so it's like all of those things that you see just are substitute are, are their attempts to make sense of pain. And it's just like, Either God knows why he does things or he's oblivious. And that yeah. was a, that's another really hard thing to reconcile with is just, is God oblivious to me? Does he just not care or does he have no answer? Or does he just, you know, is he as, as helpless as we are to say, oh gosh, these terrible things are happening. What am I going to do? And it's like, like when you're reading scripture and he's, you know, he is who he said he is. He's immutable. He's the same yesterday, his name forever. It's like knowing that God changes your life, you know, yeah. just going to church doesn't. And, and it's great to go to church and it's great to get your start there and, and be in community and be around people that are Christians. Yeah. But when you go to scripture and yeah. see who God is, that is a total different experience. It is. You either believe he's sovereign or he's not. Correct. Yeah. I will say though, that we have a babysitter. <laughs> I should yes. get out of here. So that is a good ending point. So uh, yeah, if you have any questions, uh, concerns, Hit up comments, that feedback, whatever that might be, uh, email at teamjoyandreason spell at gmail.com. Spell it out, A-N-D. Yeah. Teamjoyandreason at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Yep. All right, so thanks for joining us for episode two of the Joy and Reason podcast. We look forward to uh, coming at you again in another couple weeks. All right, have a great week, guys. See you next time. <laughs>